Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Family Spotlight. I am your host today, David Smith, Executive Director of Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Today I am joined by our cultural affairs writer extraordinaire, uh, Lori Higgins, who is uh, on the line with me today. Uh, And we're going to discuss some of the uh, transgender uh, LGBT agenda Uh, items that are on the docket in Springfield. Also, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, our worldview. And um, and then maybe if we get a little time, we'll we'll talk about uh, some other legislation that is pending in Springfield. So uh, thank you, Lori, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. We we need to do this more often, Lori, because you're a rock star. And uh, <laughs> technology allows us to do this recording where you're there and I'm here, and it sounds pretty doggone good, in, in my opinion. But um, right now, we're, we're just days away from hosting our fifth annual Worldview Conference. This year, we're doing it on March 16th. It's a Saturday in Orland Park at Stone Church, and we're going to be tackling the topic, Trans Ideology. So uh, it's, it's a topic du jour, you might say. They, uh, this issue is hot and um, ever-present in our culture. And even my non-political, non-culturally aware uh, sibling uh, tells me that it's all over the place. So, uh, Lori, what is trans ideology and why is it important that we're taking on this issue at this time? Well, this is one of my great frustrations. Uh, I I know conservatives, Christians object to this ideology and its implications in the culture, but I don't think they fully grasp how revolutionary, how subversive, how destructive, and, uh, you know, you were saying ubiquitous this is. They don't understand what this means for everyone. This is not centrally about allowing a few men who cross-dress, who think they're women or wish they were women in women's spaces. It's much more profound than that. And we need to start speaking up about this. I wish everybody, all people would of you know good faith and <clears throat> wisdom would act like homeschoolers do. When the policy comes up for homeschoolers that addresses their situation in any way, they are so passionate, so active that even Springfield lawmakers back off. We need to do the same. We need to do the same on this trans ideology. So, I mean, essentially what the ideology says is that in any context where, so I should say, I will never say transgender without, well, uh, scare quotes. Uh, what it says is that our biological sex, of course, they acknowledge that it exists, even though they deny a lot about science. That's one thing they will acknowledge. But they say, when it comes in conflict with gender identity, which are your internal subjective feelings about maleness or femaleness, biological sex must always be subordinated. It is less important not important. And so therefore, if it comes in conflict, let's say, 
in restrooms or locker rooms or nursing home room assignments or dorms. Anytime those two things come in conflict, the biological sex must be subordinated to the subjective, internal, and often fluid feelings about one's maleness or femaleness. Now, so you talk about fluidity. So that's, I think, a very important thing because um, folks who are experiencing gender confusion or dysphoria um, and are choosing to uh, go with their feelings over their biological reality uh, often don't stay there, do they? They, um, Their feelings, if you will, change over time. Correct? Right. So I, I guess I should have said from the outset, there's three terms that we need to be really clear about how we're using. So we're going to say sex, which refers to biological sex as manifest in biology and anatomy. Then there's gender. And we should be really clear about what the, how the left defines gender. They say that gender are the behaviors, conventions, social expectations, arbitrary, socially constructed um behaviors that we associate with male maleness or femaleness and then there's gender identity which is what you feel about your maleness or femaleness and it's really important because when the when it serves the purposes of the left to to use gender to actually mean sex they do it at other times they'll insist oh no 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 those are two separate phenomena phenomenon and you can't conflate them. So I'm going to be very careful about how I use those terms. So now I've forgotten your question. because That's, I've- that's okay. So um, they don't stay there. They don't remain no. in, in their dysphoria or their confusion, do no. they? And so where, where gender dysphoria can be a real and serious, well, it's always a serious problem, but this sometimes manifests in very young children. And, and, and it can be very fixed, and but in over, the best research suggests over 80%, sometimes it even suggests over 90% of those children who experience gender dysphoria at very young ages, if they don't socially transition, which means if they don't, you know, if they aren't allowed to cross-dress or adopt new names or be referred to by opposite sex pronouns, be allowed to use opposite sex restrooms, upwards of 80% of those kids will naturally grow out of their gender dysphoria and will come to accept their biological sex. Now, some of those, many of those may later identify as homosexual, but they won't be going through the puberty blockers and the cross-sex hormones and having mutilating surgery because they will come to accept their biological sex. And one of the problems is, and this isn't discussed enough, there there are, well, we should talk about rapid onset gender dysphoria. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. So okay. go ahead. Because there are many reasons why children develop gender dysphoria, which is an experience of, they feel a mismatch between their objective biological sex and their feelings about maleness or femaleness. And they feel, now the left has now started saying gender dysphoria is only referring to stress over this mismatch. So they'll say, but many people experience the mismatch and feel no distress over it. So they don't really have gender dysphoria. It's a way of, you know, sort of erasing any kind of clinical dysfunctional association with the desire to be the opposite sex. But so there is, so there is that kind of desistance it's called where 
They come to no longer identify as the opposite sex. They accept their biological sex. And then there's desistance, and that happens we have now this phenomenon called rapid onset gender dysphoria, which are, t- tends to affect girls much more than boys. It does affect boys, but and it's a phenomenon of social contagion. So you have adolescent girls. These are not children who experienced it, gender dysphoria at ages three or four or five. It's in puberty or around the age of puberty, sometime between, say, 12 and 18, where suddenly they decide they are the opposite sex or they would like to be or they should be. They're born in the wrong body. And it happens with with gir- primarily girls who are having some confusion in their life. They often experience trauma. There's often discomfort about puberty and their changing bodies and how the culture will respond to their changing bodies. Sometimes as girls develop, they get more male attention, unwanted male attention, and that makes them very uncomfortable with their bodies. And they they go on to social media and they come across tran- the trans community and they start seeing watching all these social media discussions or videos about people trans detra- about people transitioning and they decide that's the source of their problems. That's why they feel the way they do, this discomfort and this confusion. It's because they are actually supposed to be the sex they are not. And so now what we're seeing, getting so back to- So this becomes a way of an escape for them. It's, they, it is an escape. They think or it's new the identity. solution. That's right. They think it's the solution and the reason for their discomfort. And I'm getting back to your question about gender fluidity. Fluidity. Now some of these young women are now getting into their 20s and they are realizing what the real causes of their gender dysphoria were and they are desisting. They're coming to accept their sex. So there's different kinds of desisting. Case in point, you recently wrote an article titled, Formerly Trans Young Women Speak Out, and it's on our website, IllinoisFamily.org, uh, where you highlight or you highlight a video where there are four young women, it looks like they're in their 20s, who uh, had gone through this process. And, um, and to tell us a little bit more about that, that they're kind of rejecting the trans ideology, Correct. They are rejecting the trans ideology, and I hope people will go to this article and read it and watch the video. It's really important. When and they're these not young Christian. Women- this, is, this isn't a conversion to Christ, but this is clarity on bio- biological reality, or at least progress towards that, correct? Right, exactly. These girls are not conservative. I should say young women, they're ages 19 to 22. They're not conservative. Two of them identify as lesbians. All of them are very liberal. And they're just, but they have all, three of the four of them took testosterone for anywhere between a year and three years. And by the way, if you stop taking testosterone, their voice chain, their voice will never return to what it was. So that's important for people to know. And they're talking about, they talk about a lot about in, including how oppressive the trans community is that doesn't allow people to even question whether they are in fact trans. They're, they, they're vilified. If you even pose that question, they're vilified by the trans community. Trans tyranny. 
Yes, it is. It is tyrannical. And there's other detransitioners have talked about that too. There's another detransitioner. Her name is Carrie Callahan, who's talked about the dysfunction in the trans community that a substance abuse and cutting are endemic to that community. And one of these girls talks about the detransitioners that I profile. Or be, I profiled it because they have a new website called Peak Resilience, P-I-Q-U-E, Peak Resilience Project. They just started it this uh, in February and uh, their video, it's cute questions and answers about the detransitioning has gotten a lot of traffic already. And so um, they, they talk about how they now reject the ideology. They regret the ones that took testosterone, regret going on testosterone. They now realize the kinds of a lot of people who identify as trans have a lot of comorbidities, which means they have other psychiatric disorders at the same time, which should raise the question, is gender dysphoria, is it caused by the culture? Is it, are there other, are there, is there depression or their anxiety or their suicidal ideation? The left likes to say it's because of the, the prejudice in the culture, but might it not be that all those things, anxiety, depression, and gender dysphoria are all resulting from some other cause like trauma. We also know, for example, that those who are on the autism spectrum experience more gender dysphoria. So, but we yeah. can't we can't even look at those. So we're really not concerned about what's in the best interests of people when you say, but certain things we will not look at. We will not look at could trauma. I, I saw another detransitioner talk about the suicide of her mother that she now realizes was the cause of her gender dysphoria. And so there's all sorts of conditions that can cause feelings of gender dysphoria. And we should not be chemically sterilizing and surgically mutilating young women. Which is permanent, right? Right. Well, yes. Most of the effects. The damage is done. The damage is done. They can recreate, but it's not going to be the same. No, but you can't, I mean, if they have, if a, if a young man has been castrated, yeah, that's it's permanent. Yeah, if you right. t- when you, you are rendered permanently sterile by taking cross-sex hormones. That's now, right. I don't know if there's a certain length of time, like if you took them for a month, would you be rendered sterile? I don't know. Things like hair changes, receding hairlines. Girls will get receding hairlines from taking testosterone. Their voice wow. changes are irreversible. It's so destructive. And the fact wow. that there are so few Christians who will boldly speak out to their friends, to their neighbors, to their colleagues, to their family members who are adopting this whole trans-affirming ideology is really shameful. So, and that brings me to a point we have to, we're going to have to break here in a second, but Lori, um, so a lot of our readers, a lot of our listeners, uh, people who love your commentaries um, probably agree with us that this is a very big problem in our culture. Um, But why is it that they should attend our worldview conference with these great speakers that we have lined up? We have Dr. Michelle Critella, we have Walt Heyer, we have Denise Schick, we have Pastor Doug Wilson, and of course, we have Lori Higgins. So, um, one day conference, March sixteenth, in Orland Park. A lot of these questions that have been raised, and we've we've discussed here this this 
uh, on this recording will be brought up and gone into even greater detail, um, and we would become better equipped to know how to respond to this um, this sexual chaos, anarchy um, in the culture. What say you? Well, I would say that even those people who think they know a lot about this issue don't know everything they need to know. And we have to have, everyone doesn't have to know, for example, everything that I know because I spend a lot of time reading this, but everyone needs to be fluent in discussing these issues. They need to understand how to refute the specious secular arguments that are used to defend this body, mind, and heart destroying ideology. And the speakers we have coming can do that. And then we're going to have two periods of question and answers. So if they, if the answers aren't provided by the speakers during their presentations, people will have a chance to do this. And the reason is that where we are headed is the complete eradication of the public recognition of sexual differentiation in every context and it will touch everyone's lives. We see that women's, for example, women's athletics is being destroyed by That's the right. trans ideology. All right. Well, we can talk a lot more about this topic, and uh, we will on, certainly in future episodes. But right now we're going to take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll continue talking about some of the LGBT uh, bills in Springfield. So stay tuned. The Sexual Revolution's Final Frontier. This is Dan Prof for townhall.com. The sexualization of children will be televised. It's on Good Morning America, where an 11-year-old drag queen dances provocatively to the approval of the hosts and studio audience alike. It's on Hulu in the form of a series, Pen 15, with behavior I can't describe here. Gore Vidal would be approved by the standard of today's Caligulan culture. In 2015, an admitted pedophile argued in Salon.com that, quote, society preventing children from engaging in sex play and romance is akin to preventing them from learning to swim, unquote. Today, New York state legislators respond to sex trafficking by introducing legislation to legalize prostitution. The social justice response to sex abuse by Catholic clergy is to remove the celibacy vow and prohibitions on homosexuality for priests. The response to the latest sexual abuse charges against R. Kelly is for his attorney to assert an implicit consent defense for preying on 14-year-old kids. The sexual revolution is on the cusp of conquering its final frontier. I'm Dan Proft. Trans ideology is in our schools, government, churches, even our homes. We need to start taking some action in stopping this total madness. Join the Illinois Family Institute for our Trans Ideology Worldview Conference, Saturday, March 16th at Stone Church in Orland Park with Dr. Michelle Cretella, authors Denise Schick and Douglas Wilson, and Walt Heyer, a former transgender with encouragement for others. Let me help you realize who you are. The Illinois Family Institute Worldview Conference, biblical training for today's culture, 10 a.m. Saturday, March 16th at Stone Church in Orland Park. $20 per person, $50 per family. To attend, call 708-781-9328, 708-781-9328, or visit IllinoisFamily.org. Welcome back to Illinois Family Spotlight. My guest today is Lori Higgins, cultural affair writer for Illinois Family Institute. Uh, she and her husband, Terry, uh, have been married for 45 years now, uh, Lori? 
Oh, about that. I have to do the math. I have to. <laughs> It'll, yes, it's 45. So 44 to 45 years. They have four grown children and nine grandchildren. And Lori is um, is very, very well informed on these cultural issues, especially the LGBTQIA <laughs> plus. Can we just say plus? Yes, they uh, do. Issues. Um, in fact, you just wrote an article about a pending piece of legislation in Springfield. You wrote about this before, uh, but it never made it past the Illinois House. It did pass the Illinois Senate back in 2018, but now it's 2019 and they have to start all over again. And this is House Bill 246. This is uh, a bill to mandate to require LGBTQ history to be taught in our schools, kindergarten through 12th grade. Lori, give us a little more about this. Why are they trying to normalize homosexuality? Well, I mean, leftists control Springfield and they want, they don't want, they want to eradicate disapproval of homosexual activity, relationships, and opposite sex impersonation. They want, and they're going to use the government to do that. They're going to use our taxpaying dollars, our government schools to uh, advance an ideology, to advance their moral, political, and social assumptions as if they're objective, inarguable facts. Well, and then there's another aspect to this, that it takes away local control. So our elected school board here in my town it doesn't have an option. They're being mandated by Springfield, tyranny, ty- uh, tyrannical forces in Springfield, to do this. You have to do this. And I know local school officials get quite upset with all these mandates that keep rolling out from Springfield telling uh, telling them, you must do this, you must do that. And um, in the meantime, many of our public schools are failing at the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic, or the STEM stuff, which is, of course, um, should be a, a major focus of our public schools. Yeah, I, I want to make something clear because you said it's, it mandates the teaching of the history. It's more than that. It's mandating that in every grade, kindergarten through senior year in high school, that the roles and contributions of homosexuals and opposite sex impersonators be taught. So kindergartners will be, and it requires that every textbook purchased must include the roles and contributions of homosexuals and opposite sex impersonators. So we can... Thank you for clarifying. this This now makes it, I think really impossible for Christians to, I mean, serious Christians, not nominal Christians, not leftist Christians, but serious theologically orthodox Christians to have their kids in public schools, which creates a problem because there are many parents who can't afford private schools and are unable for myriad reasons to homeschool. And that's why churches need to step in and figure out how they can facilitate an exit from public schools. That's a good point. But there, this is a, a... what they have done, and it ha- people need to understand that in order to require something like this, the lawmakers have to have come to a prior conclusion that homosexual activity and opposite sex impersonation are positive. Because right. if you didn't, so for example, we don't have any lawmakers in Springfield 
asking for a bill that mandates the teaching of roles and contributions of, for example, polyamorists or people who are, who love their siblings or people who are in love with animals. And I, I, I am not saying that homosexuality is the same as those, but I'm saying there are people who are romantically and attracted to animals, romantically and erotically attracted to them. And if you don't believe me, go online and Google zoophilia. Right. There are people, their polyamorous movement is growing. We've had Time Magazine and many other publications here talking about the growing movement. So why don't they ask that? Since there are kids in there and they don't want polyamorous kids or kids who are raised in polyamorous families, they don't want them bullied. They want, shouldn't they want them to have positive role models and to, you know, the Equality Illinois, which is one of our premier homosexual activist groups in Illinois, which created this bill, along with two other homosexual activist organizations, they say that they want these children to be have their peers accept them. Well, they don't want to have their peers merely accept them. They want their peers to accept homosexuality or opposite sex impersonation as good and normal. So why wouldn't they do the same for polyamory? Well, the reason is that they have concluded that polyamory is not moral. So we don't want to even to end bullying. We don't want to normalize polyamory, which means they have decided that their moral assumptions about homosexuality and opposite sex impersonation are true. But that's not the role of government. The role of government is not to decide between moral assumptions and promote one set and censor another. So Orthodox Jews, Muslims, theologically Orthodox Christians, and secular conservatives are offended by the ideology they're going to promote if this passes. And yet their voice means nothing. If they, they, so the left will say, well, we can't have conservative views of homosexuality, for example, uh, articulated in schools because that will make homosexual kids feel unsafe, by which they mean uncomfortable. But they couldn't care less if they make Muslim kids feel uncomfortable or theologically Orthodox Christians feel uncomfortable or Orthodox Jews feel uncomfortable. They don't care about that because they have decided their views are the gospel truth and everyone right. else's are wrong. Well, and, and why aren't we teaching in our public schools uh, the, the, the most effective way to avoid poverty, right? Um, go to school, get a job, get married, then have kids, right? Right. Well, why aren't they teaching that basic sexuality too? (laughs) Well, I mean, I would ask the question, why in our health classes are they not teaching the serious health risks and side effects and consequences of taking puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones? Why don't they teach that? And by the way, people should know schools have always taught about the contributions of important historical figures who experienced homoerotic attraction. Oscar Wilde, Lorraine Hansberry, who wrote A Raisin in the Sun, James Baldwin, Sally ride the astronaut. What they didn't do was identify their homosexuality. So that's what Springfield, as I call them, swampsters want. They don't want just the contributions taught. They want to make sure that the sexual predilections of these people are taught. So why would they want to do that? The reason is that they know if they can associate positive contributions with homosexuality, those positive feelings will transfer to homosexuality because what they centrally want to do is change the feelings and moral beliefs and ideas of other people's children about homosexuality and cross-sex impersonation. 
Well, and, and, and they give no consideration or very little consideration, that is most of the, uh, the power brokers in Springfield, to the fact that uh, Orthodox Jews, Orthodox Christians, and even Orthodox Muslims find this deeply offensive. Right. Um, and, and, of course, it's the LGBT groups that are vocal. It isn't our religious leaders. They're not out there speaking against this, trying to protect our kids from learning uh, this uh, this indoctrination. That's right. And the, and the left is persistent and vocal and they never give up. And our side has one little, you know, they get involved in one little campaign and then they're exhausted and beleaguered and they're done. And the left then continues to move in. And one thing is the Christian community has to develop a spine and a willingness to suffer for Christ and his kingdom. That is our role. We're told that the world is going to hate us, and yet we hear Christians say, oh my gosh, my child might experience some you know, repercussions if I speak out, I the adult, and so I'm not going to speak out. Well, that's what you're role modeling for your kids, not sort of a biblical willingness to endure persecution for Christ and the kingdom, but this cowardly worldly concern with how we're viewed by the world and then our values get steamrolled so well listen before we run out of time i want to bring up one more article that you wrote recently uh, about house bill 922 which is still pending in springfield Uh, this bill would require that feminine products (laughs) oh my gosh be be in boys bathrooms um Lori, have we lost our minds? Yes, we have. We're all pretending the emperor in the dress is actually an empress. And if you try to say, mm, I don't think so, then you're vilified. So this, what the bill says, and I would say this, what the bill says is it mandates that feminine hygiene products be in every restroom, in every middle and high school, uh, in the state public. And so it doesn't specifically say that it has to be in the boys. It says in all bathrooms, in all middle school and high schools. So if the bill's sponsor, if that was a mistake and inadvertent, then I think it's a woman, I forget who sponsored it. Yeah, it's uh, Linda Chapelavia. Yes. Yes. State representative, a Democrat from Aurora area. She could easily come forward and say, oops, my mistake. I meant all girls' restrooms and locker rooms. Of course, that hasn't happened, and she could offer an amendment for the bill. That hasn't happened, even though my article has been out for a couple of weeks. So my my assumption is that she wanted to do that. It's an assumption. No, there's a uh, trans community in Aurora that is very vocal, and she's been working with them in the past. So I, I don't think this was a mistake right. or an oversight. This That's is right. intentional. And, right. It is, it's probably intentional. I will say that. And and the, But she didn't say it all the boys' and girls' bathroom, probably because she didn't want to draw attention to it. And this is, and she's not the first person. This is already taking place on some college campuses. Right, So, exactly. you know, and the trans community, I mean, this is what they want. They want the minds and hearts and bodies of other people's children, and they will stop at nothing. And if we, 
you know, some years from now, more young boy, I mean, young adults, men and women are going to come forward and tell their stories like these four women that I profiled this week about how they feel about being betrayed by all the adults, school leaders, lawmakers, the medical professional. I want to say something in fairness to parents. Parents are being lied to and they're told that if they don't affirm this, their child will commit suicide. If they go to a website called- emotional manipulation, Lori. Right, exactly. And if they go to a website called Fourth Wave Now, which is not a conservative website, and they search for the name Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, he is a uh, he's he's on faculty at Northwestern University, and he has written about the truth about suicidal uh, suicides among the trans community. And he, they will learn that they don't have to be terrified that if they don't affirm this, that their child is going to commit suicide. But the, but this is what the trans community will stop at nothing. And we are saying, so these people are going to grow up and they're going to tell their stories of being chemically sterilized. They're doing double mastectomies on girls here in Illinois, as young as 13 years old. Right. So that's disgusting. And those stories are going to come out and we are going to live to regret this shameful time in American history. Creating victims. And so we need to speak out on behalf of our neighbors who are being victimized Mm -hmm. by these lies. So with that, I want to encourage our listeners to please call your state representative in Springfield Uh, during the week. uh, The phone number to the Capitol switchboard is 217-782-2000. Real easy one to remember. 217-782-2000. Ask for your state representative's office. And then when you get the um, the operator or uh, the secretary, just ask them to please vote no to House Bill 246. Vote no to House Bill 246, the LGBT history mandate, and House Bill 9. 2-2, the feminine products in all bathrooms. So those are the two that you have to take action on. Um, also, if you want tickets to the Trans Ideology Worldview Conference coming up on March 16th in Orland Park, please call the IFI office at 708-781-9328, 708-781-9328, or you can go to our website, IllinoisFamily.org slash events, and you can find it in the list there. Last thing I want to say, March 20th is a pro-life rally and lobby day. We're hoping that thousands of Illinoisans come down to stand for life, to be a voice for those who can't speak for themselves, and oppose two horrible abortion bills that are pending down in Springfield. They will be a subject of a future podcast. More information, go to illinoisfamily.org slash events. Lori, thank you so much. And uh, until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.